0: By 2020, it's predicted that 250 million connected cars will be on the road, about one in every five vehicles. I
1: always feel like somebody's watching me and I have no props.
0: The car doctor. Connected cars offer more elaborate more than elaborate infotainment systems. They will also allow manufacturers it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome, Ron and, Amy and the Car Doctor here at the helm, as always, here to talk to you about your car and its problem. If you've got a problem, make it mine. I'm Ron and, Amy and the Car Doctor. Recently, in the news, we uh, we've, we've been hearing a lot about Tesla. Right? There were some issues a couple of weeks ago where the one of the servers for the uh, Tesla uh, cars went down, and people couldn't get access to the remotes, and um, that created quite a stir. And now in California. There was a recent issue just this past week, I believe it was, where the um, California's got some power shutdowns going on. And it's generated some news, and it's generated some interesting comments. And uh, here to report about it, we've got John Pearly Huffman. He's a contributing editor from Car and Driver magazine, and we want to thank him for taking some time this weekend uh, to be with us. John, welcome aboard.
3: Thank you, Ron. Nice to meet you. Um,
0: what, what, what's this about, John? What exactly happened here?
3: What happened is is that uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, which is the largest public utility in the state of California, uh, was blamed accurately for causing many of the fire, wildfires that struck the state last year. Uh, power lines went down and started wildfires, and we lost uh, 97 uh, civilians and six firefighters in those fires, and it essentially bankrupted PG&E. They are in bankruptcy proceedings. But they don't want to take on they have huge liabilities from those fires, and they don't want to take any more liability on from the fires. So what they've done is they've had rolling blackouts to prevent when winds are are when wind when conditions get to the point where the areas that they have high tension power lines going get to the point in time where they, a fire could start very easily, they said they were going to shut down those lines and shut off service to people because they don't want to risk more fires.
0: Right, and I guess now it, it's. Now it's affecting Tesla.
3: Well, it's affecting Tesla in that uh, a lot of the people who are Tesla customers live in these areas. I mean, a lot of the areas that were shut down, there's a million people who lost their power. A lot of the areas of these are, are coming down. It's like the East Bay, lost a lot, uh, which is uh, Oakland and, and Berkeley and those areas. Right. A lot of the outlying parts of Oakland and Berkeley lost their power, and that's where a lot of Tesla owners live. Plus, Fremont, the city where Teslas are assembled, is in the same area. Now they haven't, as far as I know, they haven't lost any power at the Fremont plant, but people with Teslas who were on the dead battery were basically didn't have a way to charge their uh, didn't necess- if they were taking power off the grid, they didn't have a way to charge their cars.
0: Gotcha. But okay. and, and now, to his credit, Tesla responded to this problem, right?
3: Yeah, Tesla's promised to, uh, you know, the supercharger system that he has for charging the cars, he's promised to upgrade them all to solar energy so that they all be charged using solar panels. Now, this is is not something he can do overnight, obviously. Right. This is something that's going to take a long time, but at least he's promising that in the long term, at least if he can get permits and he can get it all done, you will convert all those things in those area, all the charges in those areas to solar uh, solar generation.
0: Why does he need permits? Oh, because it's 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 construction on on public property. I guess it's
3: construction. It, California is a very you know monitors construction extremely heavily. Right, and uh, so all construction needs a permit from either from some authority.
0: So it's got to come from either the town council or the, or the state or right or yeah. whoever county
3: whatever it is that right. they are in. Right. They have to have some sort of permits.
0: Right. Well, and, then I, and, and to his credit, he'll solve it, and then I guess he'll roll that particular program. He's probably going to do this nationwide. Maybe we, maybe he just learned something, right? Hey, we got to put solar charges on the charging it, stations. It could, it
3: could be. I mean, you know, I don't know what his plans are. You know, every every area in the, of the country is different. Now, not that many areas are as prone to wildfires as California's. And a lot of these other areas have more stable grids that will that don't go down. Like California's is more fragile than other areas.
0: Right. Right. Well, you know, you've got to give Tesla credit. You and I were talking before we yeah. we spoke today, and uh, you had some interesting facts about Tesla. Maybe you'd like to share that with the listeners. Well, to let them you know, know Tesla,
3: has, Tesla is the first American startup to survive in production since Chrysler in the 1920s. Wow. So whatever advantages he's leveraged as far as government programs and subsidies and all that type of stuff, you have to give him credit for persisting. And he is... Whatever else you have to say about Elon Musk, he has made Tesla live, and Tesla survives. They haven't made much money. I don't think they've made any money yet, but at the same point in time, they're still there and they're still making cars.
0: Right, and and to his credit, I mean, I, I, I you know what comes to my mind is I think about Tucker, right? Tucker in yeah. the late Tucker in the late forties uh, created his car, and we we you know we've seen the story and the movie, and we know that you know he was shut down by the other big three. And you know here 's Tesla surviving in this day and age, and uh, he 's actually making a car that works now it 's just yeah. that he 's got these bugs coming up
3: he 's got three models out there, and remember you know they're they 're still in series production. he has dealerships Tucker I think made a total of forty nine cars and right. never got him into anything else
0: yeah uh, car and driver tested a Tesla did they not?
3: we've tested every tesla
0: right
3: and somewhere or another we've had we have test numbers on you can go find that at caranddriver.com a simple search will show all our tesla yeah.
0: tests did you have you have you driven one john
3: yes i've i've yeah. driven the uh, model s and i've driven the uh, model 3 i have missed the model x
0: what's your impression I, what's your first hand impression
3: um i the model 3 and the model they work great i mean as far as cars they work fine I'm not thrilled with some of the basic things about, like, the suspension tuning on the Model 3. I think it's kind of a little bit discombobulated. But uh, at the same point in time, they're very quick. Uh, They seem to run very sweetly while they're running. And um, I I don't have any problem. Let me put it this way. The The least problematic thing about the car is the electric drivetrain. Right. And everything else, you know, you can, you can fault them for quality or you can fault them for suspension tuning, but you can't fault them for the drivetrain. It what, works fine. What do, you,
0: what do you drive every day, John? What's your everyday car? I'm curious. What uh,
3: My everyday car? My everyday car, you know, I have two everyday cars. I have a 2000 Toyota Tundra, and then I have a 2006 Toyota Tundra. So I'm in a rut.
0: Gotcha. Well, listen, yeah. you know what you like. That's half the battle. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I I I've said it for years. Buy something you like. When it breaks, you don't mind fixing it.
3: Um, I have dogs, and yeah. they're easy to throw dogs in the back of the truck, mm. and uh, I know how to fix these trucks. So they don't break. Right.
0: Did did oh, is it is it PG&E in California? Did they have any reaction to what happened to Tesla? Did they take any of the blame for it, or was it just
3: well Pacific Gas and Electric is a is in a very tender situation right now. Uh, you know, the, they have uh, bondholders who are trying to reorganize the company. They have consu- customers who are extremely mad. Uh, I don't. Of uh, all the problems the PG faces, the uh, charging Tesla's is way down below. <laughs> they have much bigger problems, right. and the state has bigger problems. In that, you know, just coming up and managing what is a very tender fire situation is serious business.
0: Yeah, oh uh, yeah, we 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 saw that here on the East Coast. We were, you know, it was it was horrible what we saw in the news that yeah. it happens in California with the fire situation.
3: Yeah, and the thing is, it's very interesting. In California, what happens is, is that we don't manage the forests particularly well. The wildlands. So that what happens is if we put out the fires, then all it means is there's more fuel next time for the fires. Right. If, right. if, yeah. if we don't, you know, the, the unnatural thing about California is having people and electricity here. The natural thing is to have fires.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's what they say, right? California just seems like Mother Nature wants it to burn sometimes, and there's nothing yeah, you can do when about California's
3: it. A, California is a great place to live if it's not trying to kill you.
0: Right. <laughs> mm. Spoken like a true Californian, John. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, I, am, I live in Santa
3: Barbara, so so,
0: so you good. you know, John Perley Huffman. I want to thank you for taking the time. Can the listeners um, find this article uh, online somewhere?
3: Sure. Just look at com And uh, you can search, uh, well, first of all, there's so much good content at caranddriver.com, you'll probably get lost in other things before you finally find my article.
0: I'm sure. But if we want to find your article, uh, Electric Car Owners, Hard Hit by Massive, California Shutdown is is the title.
3: If you you search there, you'll find it. It's going to be the new section.
0: Gotcha. Um, Or I guess maybe look for, uh, if they search for Tesla, will it come up that way, too?
3: should. Okay. If you if you search on if you search on the everything will come up uh, eventually.
0: Cool beans, John. Uh, pleasure to meet you, sir, and I, I appreciate uh, you know you taking the time. And if you've got anything else, we'd love to talk to you again. You uh, you stay in touch. Thanks. Have a spectacular weekend. Thank you. You too. I'm Ron and Annie, the car doctor, and we'll uh, we'll be right back right after this. Don't go away. It's the
4: old lady
2: from Pasadena.
4: He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done
0: right. 855 560 9900. Here's Ron. Welcome back. It's, um it's been quite an hour already right uh, what's going on in california is uh, and and you know part of that conversation that i was having with him uh, regarding tesla was uh, technology it, it's just never so clear cut right we, we we have these issues we we create this technology and then there's an issue so you know it's we create an electric car it's a great you know it works it, it does what it's supposed to do and now all of a sudden we don't have any way to charge it because the electric charging utility is having financial troubles. And, and, and that's the bigger story there. I know it doesn't, you know, sit well in a car show uh, in that sense of the word. But, you know, PG&E in California is, is bankrupt. And, you know, they're talking about how the, the shareholders are going to lose everything they put into the company. And, you know, for a utility company to fail in this day and age, that's crazy. But what do you do now? How do you charge the electric car? And, and and this is this is akin to, um, I'll, I'll tell a story this way. I got a haircut this morning. You like my haircut, Mikey? I, I, right, right on the money, right? And uh, Vince, who's been cutting my hair for years and years and years, um, we were we were talking, and somehow we got on the subject of. Um, well, you know what? Let me let me take the calls. The phones are backing up. When I when I when I come back, we'll go back to the story because this could this could go on for twenty minutes as I ramble. Let's go over and talk to Larry in Maine. Oh five Toyota Tundra. Larry, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
4: Absolutely love the show, Ron. We've got a 2005 Toyota Tundra with the six cylinder engine, original owners, about 140,000 miles. Out of the blue, it developed a radiator leak with coolant blowing over the top of the engine. I haven't had a chance to uh, take the shroud off, but I think there's a separation in the radiator, which is largely plastic, at the top of the seam. I wanted to ask if you'd seen that. And a couple of related questions. I wanted to do a dye test, but I wanted to make sure that the dye I used was compatible with the antifreeze and the rest of the system and get your thoughts on whether you would replace it with an OEM denso radiator in your shop or if you might consider an aluminum aftermarket such as the ones made by KORAD.
0: Okay. Um, all good questions, kiddo. Uh, first of all, it's probably the radiator. Look at the color of the... and, and... I'll say it like this. Look at the radiator. If you take the shroud away, you'll probably see where the plastic is separated or split from where the aluminum fingers grip the top of it, and that's where the leak's going to be. Probably probably not necessary to dye check it. You would have to get out to your local auto parts store. If you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you, or if you can get online to OReillyAuto.com, you can look up the the correct dye that will work in that cooling system if you wanted to do a leak check, but it's probably going to become very obvious to you that sure. you know here's the leak okay that being said one way to avoid this in the future and I've I've always used this as a barometer anytime I look at a vehicle whether I'm purchasing it you know as a used vehicle or somebody's purchasing it as a used vehicle or I'm just you know looking at a customer's car saying hey how old is this uh, you know is this is this coming due because you try trying, you know you're supposed to have crystal ball eyes right um, you know can you can you tell when this parts gonna fail yeah uh, always look at the color of the plastic Take a look at a new plastic radiator it 's always that nice shiny solid black looking color to it, and you know it 's got some and then as as this, as it ages. The black generally fades. It becomes more brownish, and then it turns whitish-brown, and it, it seems like it's just fading in color, and my experience has been, I actually asked an engineer that that makes plastic radiators, a company made plastic radiators, I said, does that have any significance? And his, his comment to me was that, yes, and he said, not many people notice that, and I said, well, I just, I guess I look at the details. He said, what you're seeing is you're seeing the, the resin or the fibers that hold the plastics, you know, heat up and and fade away, and the discoloration is because of the heat cycles that it's been through. And, yeah, it's it's not that it's going to fail at that moment, but it tells you that the radiator is getting older and changing. That's, cha-
4: that's fascinating. Yeah,
0: yes. Because there's always a reason. You know, how does, how does something like this happen? And I'm always looking for the cause. You know, somebody told me once, hey, can you fix anything? I can fix anything. That's easy. Telling you why it happened, that's the hard part. And, and that's what I'm always looking for. I, you know, yesterday I had to real, real quick story, and and the rule in the shop is never flash on Friday. And by that I mean we never change, we never want to do computer flashing on Friday because it just leads to a whole series of complications and something always goes wrong when we flash on Friday. So one of the shops we do the work for didn't understand what I meant by that. They're, they're new to us doing it for them. So I kind of, you know what, you got to let them feel the pain, man. It's just there's no other way to do it. They really needed the car. They insisted it get done. All right, we'll do the car. They bring me a Toyota. They brought me a used Toyota PCM. Used PCMs, changing a used computer in a car today, is just a, just a whole nother world. It just is. It just becomes, uh, because there's more to it. It's not just, you know, like you're filling up a, a, an empty shell now. And part of the problem was, Toyota picked yesterday to be the day when, gee, we couldn't download the new software, the update didn't work, we couldn't connect to the server. Everything goes wrong on Friday. What's the rule? Don't flash on Friday. So the job ran late. I stayed late last night and finished it for them, and they were just like, but why? And I was like, because what's the rule? And they said, don't flash on Friday. You got it. There's the cause. There's the effect, right? Why did yeah. the radiator go bad? Because it got old. How did you know? Because the, the, resin or, the resins in the radiator are running out and it's starting to change color. There's always a reason why things happen. Um, I'm not sure why don't flash on Friday happens, but I just... I, I you know thirty let's see 30, 43 years of fixing cars forty four years of fixing cars I don't know I've just got my prejudices and they just sort of seem to work you know it's um, it it just kind of holds that way uh, what radiator would I put in this I would I like Denso. I like Denso, and I like OSC. OSC is a, uh, is a radiator company out of California, if you can find them. Denso's a great radiator company. I would, I'd be willing to bet O'Reilly's got it. If you get out to O'ReillyAuto.com, you can look at it and do some pricing. I'm very leery of radiators and, and what I choose because there's a lot of junk out there, and uh, you know it's, it's got to be exact. It's got to be the good stuff. And as long as you're putting a radiator in it, Larry, obviously... Get out to Motorrad.com. Let's go look and get some education about radiator caps. Let's put a good Motorrad radiator cap on it, too, and then we'll be just really in great shape. And you may want to consider, because of the mileage, doing it, and you probably should, I shouldn't say consider, doing a cooling system service, do an exchange, and get all the old coolant out, because this could be age that did it, this could be acidity in the cooling system, and you want to make sure you give that radiator a fresh start.
4: Would you change the water pump... On that model, if it was in your shop, do you think, Ron? Well, it's an 05, right? It's an 05 with 140,000 miles. Very well maintained, but we want to have it. It's my wife's car. Very reliable.
0: You know, it's the radiator's out, and you're looking at the water pump at that point. It's not the worst idea. Not the worst have idea you, at all. Have you
4: changed many of those in your shop? Is it a tough,
0: a tough change? It's all nuts and bolts at that point, Larry. Uh, you know, okay. I I can tell you that um, that generation, those, those that age group, Toyota. There isn't much there that'll scare you. It's it's nuts and bolts, take it apart. You know, match everything up. Make sure, obviously, we're gonna you know have the conversation about a good water pump. And, you know, OE or better, um, something yeah. of good quality. Again, here's that conversation with O'Reilly Auto Parts because, you know, the, the thing I love about O'Reilly Auto Parts is you can go out there and compare what do they have, what works. You can talk to them, hey, what are you putting on that, that, that works, that doesn't come back? One of the things I learned about auto parts companies, they don't like selling things that they know are going to come back in a return way. So O'Reilly Auto does that very well. They'll, they'll tell you the truth about what's good, what's not. And if you're on a budget, use this. And if you're not, use that. Larry, good luck to you and yours up there in Bath, Maine. Thanks for the call. I'm Ron Any in The Car Doctor. We're coming back right after this. the Car Doctor here on uh, Death Star Watch as uh, we motor forward at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. So the end of that story that I don't I don't want to leave you hanging um, in regards to you know cause and effect. So I went and got a haircut this morning and Vince is cutting my hair as he has for the past um ten years and he asks me a question. Can I ask you a question? Which usually is the case, right? Where it's always. You know, I love doing banquets and personal appearances, and and, and people laugh, right, because I tell them this is what's going to happen, right? It's We're going to have coffee and cake, and then you're going to notice at the end, when we have coffee and cake, I'll be the guy, how can I find you? I'll be the guy with 40 people in front of me asking me a question, because it's always, can I ask you just one question? I think I'm going to put that on my tombstone. One more question, please. So Vince says to me, can I ask you a question? Sure. My lawnmower has this problem where every couple of months the carburetor stops working and i have to tap the side of the float bowl and take it apart and it has all this crud in it and you know he says uh, and my brother who's who's a retired mechanic he now teaches for one of the local trade schools he has to clean it out we can't figure out what the issue is and i said well it it sounds like you know are you just using regular gasoline And he says yeah and i said well it sounds like you've got an ethanol issue that it's sitting around and there's some contamination in the tank and it's 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 just constantly gumming up the carburetor He said, you know, you might be right. He says, we don't use it a lot. And I said, okay. And I I said, have you considered something like stable? Because stable makes fuel and ethanol additive that will help clean up and and, and maintain good quality fuel, especially in smaller engines. You know, I never thought of that. He said, that's great. I said, well, yeah. I said, you're just fixing the problem. I'm looking for what creates the problem. And that's that's the backside of that story. So Vince Mm -hmm. is going to run out now and buy a bottle of stable and... uh so please solve the problem. I'll know the next time. If the next time, I'm going to get a haircut in the middle of November. So if the next time I come in, the right side of my head is shaved, you know it wasn't the right answer, so it didn't work. So look for, look for me in, uh, on, uh, well, we'll see. Um, Steven in Wisconsin. How are you, sir? Welcome to the car, doctor. How can I help? Hey, how are you doing today? Good, sir. What's cooking? Well, I got a, I got a
2: 2018 Chevy Silverado Z71 LT. Nice truck. And I love, I love the truck. Ur, um, yeah. And... Oof. I'm having a little, and, and you know, you always advertise, find a good mechanic, and I've got a, a GM dealer a mile and a half from my house, so I use them, and, and they're good, they're fantastic, they've been great. Um, the only problem I have is this is my first truck ever that's got the you know, onboard computer that measures everything, right? And they want me, and I've got the, it's got synthetic oil, right. But they still want me to bring it in every three thousand. But yeah, I the think, computer, I, I just took it in about a week and a half ago, and the computer said my oil life was at 49%, and, I, and it was at 3,200 miles. And so my question to you is, and it's probably a dumb question. No
0: such thing, brother. There's no such okay, thing. Okay,
2: As far as the warranty, if I say I'm only going to take it when it hits 10% on the, the computer and go out till 7,000 miles, Am I avoiding the warranty because I'm not following what what the the GM dealer wants me to do? I mean,
0: you know. Well, so let's here let's let's look at it like this. All right, Steve. First yeah. of all, what does the owner's manual say? When should you change the oil? The owner's manual is going to reference the oil life monitor indicator, right? The OLMI.
2: Yes, it does. And, and, and it says between five and seventy five hundred miles.
0: Right. So as long as you follow what the manual says, I don't see how you're going to avoid the warranty. My okay. question is, here we are, cause and effect. Here we are again. So why is the dealer saying every three? What do they know that we don't know? Is there something special about the air in Wisconsin or the environment in Wisconsin where you happen to live that oil wears out faster? Is, is there an unnatural effect from the environment that's creating an issue? It'd be interesting to hear that. Now, it's possible that maybe the person that told you this isn't educated properly, and that's just, that's just communication, right? Right, And right. I, I would ask them, say, hey, listen, my owner's manual says this, you're telling me this, Where, where's, where's the reality of all this? Now, I'm going to tell you my rule of thumb, and I'm going to tell you the reason why, cause and effect. I still like to go by 3,000 to 4,000 on conventional, five to 6,000 on synthetic, and a good quality oil filter all right Mm -hmm. because all of this all of this extended life oil change stuff is nonsense unless we're using a good filter and 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 unless we are using good oil and 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 that's to me is the bottom line i i still laugh and i'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for this because i get it every time i say this but i still laugh i'm amazed at the amount of time people spend i sent my oil in to blackstone labs and i had it analyzed and they said that i could have driven another two thousand miles and that. my god we spend more money in this country on starbucks coffee and oil analysis than we do on anything else and i don't, I don't understand just come up with a rule of thumb and stick with it you never ever want to have to do engine repair it happens but boy you just don't want to be in it i was in a friend's shop yesterday looking at a car for them and they had a 2011, 12. I'm sorry, a 2012 GMC Acadia. All right, and they were putting an engine in it. It Had 105,000 miles on it, and the motor imploded. V6. Wow. You, you, you've got to see what this looks like. It's the, the whole front cradle, engine, and trans are on four jack stands. The car's up above you on the lift. The mechanic's sitting on us on a roll around uh, seat you know you know, zooming around the taking things apart and transferring I mean it's a, it's a $9,000 engine repair and you're like well first of all I'm like why would we want to do this on a what's going to be an 8 going on 9 year old car and the reason is because the Bell still has 3 years worth of payments on it he bought it used and you know the second <laughs> question I got in my mind is why aren't we changing the trans which now has 105,000 miles on it and what we're going to take this apart to do the trans again in 2 years that doesn't make any sense either uh, you right. know I don't care what you tell me. Maintenance, fluids, filters, common sense stuff, and a little bit of overkill is what's going to get you the distance and the mileage without the major breakdown. Just listen. That's the world I live in. I read forums. I, you know, I, I look at the conversations. I think my part of the world sometimes is very secular, and I, I look at the problems people are having, and I'm like, really? Um, you're like, we never see that. And it's just that that's why I started my conversation with you. What's special about the environment in Wisconsin? Um, And, and, you know,
2: know, with with that said, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't work my truck hard, but maybe two or three times a year for a week at a time. Otherwise it's primarily highway and city driving. And, um, and and I, I don't know why they're asking that question. Um, I I used to take, care of my my vehicles all myself this is my first truck that i took a good look at it and i said yeah i think this will be my first vehicle where i i stopped doing the, the major work on it the, right. the oil changes that that the the dealership offers are inexpensive enough that i don't mind taking it there and having them do it but it's the the, the vehicles nowadays are getting more and more difficult for a do-it-yourselfer like me to to take care of i remember my mm. my Ninety-three uh, GMC. I I did everything to it. You
0: know,
2: right. I wouldn't even know where to begin on this
0: truck. Let me let me ask you a question, Steve. So you take it into the dealer for the oil change, and and let me let me yeah. preface, let me preface this comment. All right, you know, taking it, I don't care where you take your car to get it serviced. I I, I very rarely shop anything on price. I shop it on right. How right is it? Well, oh, right. Okay. Right. And, and 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 that's that becomes the critical thing because. We had a customer recently take her two-year-old Honda into the local Honda dealer, 15,000 miles. They did the oil change. The oil change with synthetic oil was $37. I looked at that and I said, how can you do that for 37 bucks? I can't buy the oil and filter for 37 bucks and change. It's just impossible. How do you do it? Because you're using it as a loss leader and she walked out the door with almost $800 worth of recommended services on a 2-year-old, 15,000-mile vehicle. Hence she came wow. it, it was it was the daughter of a regular customer. Now she's my regular customer because I explained it to her. The car needed about 250 bucks worth of, you know, filters and some other odds and ends, but not a lot. So, you know, part of auto repair is also the marketing, and you've you've got to watch it. You've got to make sure that we're not falling into the, hey, how cheap can I get it, and what are they really doing, all right? And we're at the point now where it's it's an oil change a couple of times a year, and I just had the conversation with somebody that it's also an annual checkup, a code scan every year as the car gets older, checking for updates and bulletins and things like that. So those are the things you want to look for. Go back and talk to them. Why are you recommending oil changes sooner rather than later? Pull me back. Let me know what the answer is. I'm curious to hear what they say. Maybe there's something with the air in Wisconsin. Maybe not, but uh, I'm betting that it's not. 85 560 The car doctor's cruising back right after this. Let's face all the way. Dude, back, Ron and Andy, the car doctor. You know, nobody, and I say this every time, nobody in 40 years is going to come up with a song that we took my Toyota Prius out on the highway and we raced all the way to Bambergers. You know, it's just not going to happen. It's just, what a time period. Let's get over and talk to Jeremy in Washington, D.C. Jeremy, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hey, uh, good to talk to you. I have a, just a little side note before I get going here. I'm currently doing a break job okay. on a Highlander. Right. And I'm having, like... The worst time in the universe getting the OEM pads and shims using aftermarket hardware kit. I, I mean, the clips that they Centric uh, sold me, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get them in. I'm just going to sit the freaking pads in loose in the uh, bracket until I can get some OEM clips, I guess.
0: Well, no, what's probably going on is is there's probably a fair amount of rust buildup on the bracket. Even though you don't see it, uh-huh. it's, it's there, and it's, it's it's sort of swollen the caliper bracket. And that's it's, an interesting concept. Man. Yeah, it's just, if you look at it, that I'm telling I you... I mean, what,
1: they slide in fine without those clips. Right. And add the, yeah, okay, that's an interesting idea. Right. It's a uh, rebuilt um, caliper well, that I put on about a year ago, and it's interesting you say that, because some, you know, genius... Sprayed it over with black paint, which is now, of course, peeling. Right. Uh, right.
0: So, yeah. so, so here's here's what you've got to do, and and one of the things I don't like about some of the reman calipers out there mm-hmm. is if you look at the surface, they look like they've been shot peened. So you yeah, know, when they when they shot peen the caliper and the bracket, that you know it beats up it beats up the metal and it kind of raises the surface that changes the dimension. <laughs> and it, you know, it doesn't take much. Everything's built to such a tolerance today. You close what it. Well, I tell
1: you? Frustrating. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cursing. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Listen,
0: been there, done that, brother. Um, uh, but yeah, I get it. Just make I mean, sure. I just sand it out or something. A little well, bit? What, what we'll do is we'll either we'll either hit it with the wire wheel and just scuff it up a little bit. You can just take a jeweler's file and dress the caliper bracket, and um, or you can. Although I don't like to do this a lot, I will take and knock off some of the paint. Uh, but that helps the pad to rust. The um, the the coating on the brake pad itself, if it makes the pad just a just a touch, but that's a that's a go no go gauge kind of thing. It's a little bit of patience, yeah. you know. So, um, but that's I'm not impressed. I yeah, tell you that. That's that's um, that's, that's that's part I mean, of welcome to the world of mechanics, right, man? It's yeah, just like, it's you know
1: you budget like just you're planning your day. You're like, all right, I'll take about an hour and a half to do this. and right. like, oh, Hit the brakes. Hey, yep. Nothing happening right now.
0: Just make sure you're putting a little bit of you know we use we use uh, Delco brake grease. I that's
1: exactly what I use. Yeah. man, With the little. little the little brush
0: yeah little brush stuff works great yeah that's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, all the a- pink and purple and black and all the other color stuff that you know but the the, Del- the Delco silicon brake grease works good go man what's that's your story I got about a okay, minute Okay, so look i started yeah I got
1: a, a 2001 uh, cutaway van right uh, motor home right and it uh, the throttle control I keep getting reduced engine power okay and this has been going on and off for years and you know back in the day when it's still under warranty they replaced you know gas pedal and uh throttle position sensor and all that and they
0: replaced the tac module the the, the throttle actuator control module on the driver's I side of the firewall and
1: i don't necessarily know that they did the tac module
0: okay and um, i don't think that it needs it cuz i'll tell you what i'll tell you what's probably wrong with it
1: yeah what do you think
0: um i think unless they've done it i think it's in the harness
1: okay now see they did it once but um and the guy told me, he's like, Well, I added just a little extra, and I used a wire clamp so that way, uh, you know, because if you really jiggle it, it'll cut out. you like, No,
4: right. you do it,
0: man,
1: Chief. Right. That, that doesn't
0: sound right. Yeah, hang on, so, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy, sit yeah. tight. Let me pull over take this pause. When we come back, we'll have a couple of minutes. We'll finish up. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Jeremy, you're still there, buddy.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So, you know, this is a drive-by-wire vehicle. Right? This, is, this, okay. Yes, indeed. So the, the big misnomer or where everybody kind of got lost in the diagnosis was everybody did the exact same thing. It was change the pedal sensor at the gas pe- at, the, at the throttle pedal, change yeah. the attack module, change the throttle body, and the vehicle still had the issues. Now, you got that. you're saying they changed the wiring harness leading out to the throttle body?
1: Okay, let me tell you what they changed. Near as I can tell, what they changed was the a section of the wire harness, including the plug, that leads to the throttle position sensor. Okay. Now, I don't know that they did anything with the harness that leads to the motor, you know, that operates the uh, butterfly in there.
0: Right, right. Um, because that's that's generally, and it depends on what fault code it uh-huh. was.
1: It's a, if, if you're curious, it's a 1221, which seems to be only GM-specific kind of, sort of stuff. I don't know if that's the case or not, but like...
0: Well, here's what, anyway. I, here, here's, here's what you should do, all right? All right. If, if if you can get this thing, you know, just warm it up, if you manipulate or tweak that harness around, can you get this mm-hmm. to act up and go into a stall mode or a limp mode?
1: I'm going to try to see if I can get it to do all that. All right.
0: Then I would be more concerned changing the throttle, I'm mean, changing the TPS sensor wiring, I get that. The problems we always saw were in the pin connectors leading up to the control motor for the throttle plate. And the explanation we always got out of GM was that over time, vibration and heat would spread the pins just a microscopic nanosecond kind of what you're experiencing on the brake calipers, and it would just be enough to lose contact. GM did come out with, and they did at one point, have a harness repair kit for the vehicles of that generation. I don't know that it's still available, or they had a way to purchase individual pins to make up a harness, but I would focus on that connector and change that connector and harness and see if the problem goes away, and I'm betting it does. Good to talk to you, Jeremy. Thanks, Bunch. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor, reminding each and every one of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're Priceless. See ya.